I feel better. Just about. Do you? I do. I enjoyed our talk last. I needed our talk last night. It was really. We just we just kicked it. Oh yeah, that, yeah, was, that was good. Nice. That was good. Our, I gotta say, this is kind of a historic podcast. This is the first time we've ever mentioned Mia Ham in a podcast. Oh, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. If yeah. you're listening, tweet at us. Yeah. Mia. <laughs> Shout out to Mia Ham. <laughs> <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. So describe again the mood you're in. Oh, gosh. Melancholic slash just pissed at the world. And I don't know why. I can't identify it. Yeah? But went to bed last night, and I was fairly... I knew I had, like, a lot of emails and just, like, notes Ugh. to write and stuff like that. But I was tired, so I was like, I'm not going to do them now. I'll put them off until tomorrow. Mm. And so, like, I woke up with that in my mind uh, this yeah. morning. Yeah. So I did my morning, like, routine. I was having coffee, and I did, like, the office readings and usually say uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet, like, in the morning. And I did that, man, and it was just, like, the whole morning. I went out to breakfast with Scott, and so that, like, just to get off campus mm. kind of helps, you know, a little uh, just human, non-spiritual consolation, you right. know, a little bit coming through. So, so that helped, but even Mass this morning, like, it felt, I mean, it was all, it was good, like, the homily seemed good, but it felt like it was three hours long. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever have that experience, but it was just like... Oh, my God. And it was just, like, every, I mean, I could pick out, like, I could just, like, look around at that chapel and find things to be pissed about. Yeah. Like, what's that guy doing? Like, slouching? Seriously. You're like, comb your hair, bro. Yeah. Or even, like, the priest. It's like, really? It takes you that long to get to the altar? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, it was, like, one of those things. I was almost, like, laughing to myself throughout the Mass and just, like, very conscious of it, but... It was just a mood, you know, yeah. it's like a classic, just like, I would, I would just like name it immediately as a non-spiritual desolation, because mm -hmm. it wasn't like, there was never a feeling of like, God doesn't love me in this, mm -hmm. or like being lost, but it was just like, oh gosh, this is... Are you tired this morning? A little bit, but not too bad, yeah. not too bad, and uh, I honestly, I think I just peg it as, so far anyway, what I've identified is like that going to bed with... Uh, with like that like kind of mindset of like I got to get this done tomorrow. Like yeah. I have been putting it off, and it has to get done. Well, they're open loops. Exactly. And like, your mind, even if it's not like in the front of your brain, right? Those things sit back there, and are just like, whatever you're doing, you got stuff you're not doing. Yeah, exactly. I I had the classic. I woke up at like five this morning. Yeah. And I had to go to the bathroom so bad, but I knew if I got out of bed to go. I wouldn't go back to sleep, and I wanted that hour of sleep so bad, yeah. and so I had miserable hours of That's sleep. That's a bizarre bargaining in your head. I woke up and I was like, oh, which is going to win? I already knew it was going to win. Oh, yeah. I was going to lay in bed. And it wasn't enjoyable at all. It was like a miserable hour, yeah. but I wasn't going to get up. I needed it. What were we talking about yesterday with circumstances? That you're uh, a victim of circumstance, pretty much. I'm a victim, okay? That's, yeah. that's essentially what it came down to. 
We're all victims. We're all victims. All we have no choice in the matter. It's not my fault lives. that there's gray skies. Guys, and it's gloomy. Yeah. And it's cold. Yeah. I'm a victim of circumstance. Absolutely. Yep. Actually, remember we had that break? You guys were out of town, but that week break um, here was one of the grayest, gloomy. I mean, it was like oh, was yeah, it? it was forty-eight hours of just rain, but not like hard rain or windy rain or anything. It was just you went outside, you were just gonna get wet. Yeah. And so I was getting up every day, and I actually I harnessed its power by. <laughs> Being inside and writing, oh, and just nice. like sitting at my yeah. computer and, and writing, like refuse to go on Twitter, refuse to check podcast stats, cool. anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, I read and wrote. And that made the week really good. My mood yeah. was high despite the circumstances, but um, I feel like, man, if you, make deci- if you just make a decision and cut certain things out, you know, I've been reading this book. Called the Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp, who's a she's like a ballet choreographer or something, but just like one of the most intense creative people. Um, so how long have you been into ballet? Uh, <laughs> since I was a young young lad. Uh, yeah, Billy Elliot. <laughs> no, but it, her book is just about um, how do you create this? How do you create the circumstances to be creative to create yeah. something new? Mm. And um, I was kind of getting into sort of like life hacky websites, Merlin Man, different guys that talk about how do you get your inbox to zero, how do you have a good workflow, and you know, my current situation, there's a lot of, like if I don't have, if I have emails that I don't answer, it's gonna start making me mad at the world, you know? Oh, I do um, <laughs> Because, and it's also gonna make me disappoint people by not being on for them, you know? And So just keeping all this stuff organized, but also having the ability to write a homily every week, um, you know, write three term papers and a sixty-page thesis, and go to class and drive an hour and a half both ways to this parish. And you know, there's people with a lot harder work situations than me, but <clears throat> I've never had it like this full and varied. Mm-hmm. So um, her whole thing was like, you just uh, you have to fast from certain things and so one of them was like fasting from clocks just stop looking at what time it is and and sometimes you can't because you have appointments you need to know what time it is but that was really helpful like even sitting in class how often do you just look at your watch to see how much time is left and it keeps you from focusing Um, and it seems like such a little thing you just glance but it's the same thing as glancing at Facebook (coughs) or Twitter it interrupts your flow unless you plan on doing it and you're like Okay, on the hour, I'm going to do something mindless. And then it's just part of your work. Like, this is how I refresh myself. Versus we, we let ourselves be ruled by the distractions and, like, run our work as if, like, Facebook is an integral part or whatever. Uh, Checking, I have to take my watch off in class mm-hmm. so that, and I put it face down. So you don't look so at it? So that I don't look at it. Because um, it does, it... it I mean, it puts you into into time in a very concrete way. Everybody knows that looking at the watch is the slowest way to pass time. Yeah. You're stuck there. Totally. Like, this is taking forever. So for my own sake, my own sanity in class, 
I have to turn it face down. I yeah. noticed this in high school. I was looking at clock because we always had the clock right over the door, and the bell would into every forty minutes. There were the periods, and I actually wrote an editorial about this in the paper, like that we're all just waiting for our lives to end. And if you think about <laughs> it, you like at age seventeen to just be waiting for time to pass. Yeah, is lame, um, because granted, I, the last thing I want to be doing right now <clears throat> is pre-calculus, you know, but still. If, you can make a decision in that moment, like whether I'm going to suck the marrow out of this experience. Mm-hmm. I'm 17 years old, I'm getting an education for free, and um, but I don't know. I was, it, it's a hard thing to do not to look at your life in little chunks that you're waiting to be over. Yeah, that's. I, mean, I think. I think honestly, it's dangerous. I've thought of thought about that. Even in even in seminary, it's like there's a lot of days when you're in the kind of in the grind of class or whatever and it's like you just want to be done like you don't want to be like doing this same thing over and over again you got to realize that like how much life and how much grace is going to happen like in this time span Mm -hmm. in this time and place um etc it's funny yesterday in class i noticed i was checking my watch a ton oh yeah yeah i wanted to get to lunch and i was like oh gosh and Maybe my maybe this mood was starting to set in then even evil Rob evil Rob and uh, oh god do you have a name for evil Rob because uh, you are quite bearded at this point and so I feel like you could come up with something as a, an alter ego refer yourself in the third person what's a good alter ego to juice um like I'm thinking of like pulp. Like, <laughs> like the things that make juice nasty, like salt tablet or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, the worst nickname. Salt tablet. Old salt tablets back. That's, <laughs> that's what we're gonna call evil Rob. But uh, but it's funny because I noticed how often I was checking my watch, and there was like 15 minutes to go in class, and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna look at the clock one more time because it was great. It was like a great class that we were learning, and. God. Was it agony? Dude, well, there, yeah, I'll just call it what it is. I looked at my watch six more times. <laughs> no way! You were literally such a I loser. Was, <laughs> I was counting down the minutes by the end. I was like, yep, one more minute. Yeah, right. check. <laughs> so, oh, man. Oh, gosh. I'm going to do that, though. Just lose the watch during class. That's yeah, good. put it face down. It, it, it seems to point to me that humans were meant, uh, like, for us to be in total bliss we have to be in some sort of timeless reality, mm-hmm. like where you can just be totally lost, yeah. we're completely engulfed in whatever we're doing. Yep. I did, have, we, you read, have you read the book, uh, A Divine Mercy? Or Severe Mercy, A Severe Mercy. Is it C.S. Lewis? Well, it's got C.S. Lewis letters in it. Okay. C.S. Lewis didn't write the book. No, 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 no. It's incredible. I mean, not to get into the book uh, too much, but there's this guy, and he starts off the book, he's a pagan, it's kind of about his conversion, but he married, he gets married young, and him and his wife, they're kind of like pagans, honestly, and they both convert later in the book, and, um, but it's an incredible book, and like their love story as like these pagans who don't believe in God, like if one of them died, the other was going to commit suicide, all like these type of views, you know, and, uh, but you read it, and it's like, man, if everyone could live like like they lived of just loving each other then out of the world would be a really cool place anyway so you read it and it's incredible but he talks about this experience that they have they're like on a boat 
somewhere in the ocean. They just, like, went. And <clears throat> he has this moment to get up in the middle of the night and, like, he tried to he tries to describe it in the book of, and, it, and he goes back to it. it's like the most perfect moment like he had experienced in his life to the point that like he did not know he can recall the moment but he doesn't know if it lasted a minute or an hour yeah. but he said even in that he still knew that it had to end yeah. and he said like that's the difference between here and heaven huh. is that even in this like total or like ecstatic experience exactly like the closest he had ever been to true bliss somewhere in him knew this had to end yeah like he knew that he was in time yeah. at that moment so it was, it was really it was really good but that, in in my religious ed courses that i teach for the seventh graders that's generally what i use as a description of heaven because it, everyone as a little kid you want to know what heaven's like you mm-hmm. want to know what hell is like what is purgatory? Like what, all these seventh grade questions. Mm-hmm. And that's generally how I describe it is um, like being lost in a moment. And I, I can remember as a child Christmas of being like just so engulfed in the excitement of Christmas and the joy and the happiness of being with my family and things like that. Like coming down and seeing, seeing some huge gift that's for you just insanity like you just totally forget about yourself and you're engulfed in whatever's going on and there's no absolutely no thought of time there Hmm. and it would just be like that moment forever uh what's the coolest thing you ever got for christmas dude my parents got me some crazy stuff i mean santa santa got me some crazy stuff (laughs) by the way we still do santa claus at my house oh yeah you have a five-year-old brother don't you i have a five-year-old six-year-old brother i do not have a five-year-old brother (laughs) so now it's all the older siblings will go and we'll like tuck all the kids in write a letter to santa claus um and then we'll eat the cookies we'll drink the milk and we'll put all the presents out and for, spoiler alert we might have some little kids listening that's true if oh. my younger siblings are mis- listening i'm just kidding <laughs> there's really a santa claus but one year i got a i would always ask for uh what are the RC racer things? Mm-hmm. The, the remote controlled Hot Wheel cars? Oh, yeah. What are they? Is little that, ones? No, no, no. Like the big four wheel ones. Oh, that sure. you could, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're called, but uh, I would ask for that every year and I never got one. Instead, <laughs> I got a unicycle one year. No joke. Santa Claus. Can you ride it? I can ride a unicycle like nobody's business. <laughs> oh. And then the next year, because I got so good at it, I got a six foot unicycle. Oh my I, gosh. I can ride a six foot unicycle, dude. At least I used to be able to. I mean, it's been a while since I've ridden a six foot unicycle. Like, I would go on campus and just be riding around my school, like, whoa. Only you could pull that off and not be a huge loser. It was strange. It was really strange. It's called a draft. And so I'd have to, like, prop it up against my goal, uh, our basketball goal, and I would climb up on it. And then when you fall, you fall forward and you just catch it behind and. And I was really good at it. So we have like a couple of unicycles sitting around our house somewhere. Got to pump those up when I go home and get some juggling balls or something. <laughs> what else? For for Christmas stuff? Yeah. What else did we get? And we had bikes. I remember I, I was really into aggressive skating. So like going to skate parks mm-hmm. and all the... Skateboards or rollerblades? No, this is... So I asked for a pair of... It's called aggressive skates. Mm-hmm. And they have like grind plates on the side and a little yeah. grind rail in the middle. I won't lie, I did that too. Oh man! So I got a really nice pair of those, and like uh, K two fatties. Yeah, 
they, they weren't K2s. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the brand was, but I was pretty excited about those. And, like, me and all my other siblings got them. Yeah. And so we would just go to these skate parks and, like, Mets just showed up and just, like, took over the, <laughs> the whole skate park. And we'd be on all the ramps and going in the bowls and the half pipes and stuff like what that. an interesting combination. Sort of, like, homeschooled aggro movie. Yeah. It was strange, man. <laughs> We, we got into all those extreme sports. I remember going out and building our own ramps. Mm-hmm. And as a kid building a ramp, you have zero way to gauge how steep the ramp is and like how good of how skilled you are. Because mm-hmm. all you've seen on TV is like 50 foot ramps and yeah, guys flying millions of miles an hour, you know, and, and they do like backflips off of it. So you see that and you think, this is totally easy. Yeah, and you it. build a ramp that's insanely steep and we would always do that and then go flying like the first kid would wreck himself (laughs) and then we'd all kind of realize oh that's not how that works (laughs) we're not professional skaters or not professional bikers yeah but it's kind of a go big or go home it absolutely is Mm -hmm. and so then the the second person if they wimped out everyone would make fun of them obviously Mm -hmm. so you know it would become more and more reasonable as the time went on but we we did a lot of that stuff. Uh, so you got your unicycle. Did you ever take the unicycle off the ramp? Never took a unicycle off a ramp oh. because it it's not one of those things like you would have to pedal the whole time up the ramp. So right, yeah, there's no there's no freewheeling. Yeah, there's like, no freewheeling. It you can't just like sit steady. It's um, fixed gear. Fixed gear. That's right. It's a fixed gear. Fixed gear unicycle. Mm. I don't know if they have any other types than that, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, like long distance unicycle. Yeah. I don't know if that's a real thing, but... Matt, could you imagine if you were on the bike trail, like on the road bike, and you saw a guy riding super slow on a unicycle? Apparently there's some hardcore unicyclers. There were guys at my college that would ride it to, to class. Yeah. I, I never got and that tall ones, too. I don't know if they were six feet, but they were pretty darn tall. Yeah, this one was a full six feet. So I'm sitting, like, my my rear is six feet in the air, plus three feet of my torso or whatever so i'm nine yeah. feet ten feet high up there would you say sarcastic things like how's the weather down there <laughs> oh i'm certain yeah i mean i so it was people, pretty all the people were like man that guy's so freaking cool look at him how tall he is on that unicycle <laughs> no i think everyone saw our family especially in our neighborhood and like what is going on over there dude bunch of wackos rob have you heard that story about the miracle shot miracle shot we were talking about this yesterday, and I think that you have to tell this story. You think I have to tell it? Yeah. Let's, you should tell it. I think you've seen it. I think you know about it. You're... I, so the miracle shot was um, I basically hit a buzzer beater. Oh, yeah. You showed me. It's on yeah. YouTube. Isn't but have it? you heard oh, a, yeah. a whole fallout of it? And like so it. It, got, it got pretty crazy. We have a pretty a tight-knit community at home. Like uh, Our high school is all very close, and... Uh, the kindergarten through 12th grade, there's probably a thousand students and it's growing still, whatever. So it's, it's small, but it's an intimate community. Mm -hmm. And because I have siblings in all of the grades pretty much. So when I was a senior, I had a sibling in every other grade down to pre-K or kindergarten. I still have that. Like my youngest brother's in kindergarten now. So there's a Mets that everybody knows at school somehow, some way. And when I was a junior in high school, we played our rivals, and um, with like three seconds left or something, we were down by one. 
I hit a three-quarter court buzzer shot. Off an inbound. Off an inbound. It was like triple teamed. Have you yeah. seen it? The opposite. I saw the, the video stinks. The yeah. video does stink. You get an impression, though. Yeah, yeah you get yeah. an impression of it. The cameraman really dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. But and what year would that have been at? Because the camera was not good. It was a bad camera. I, it must have been like 2007, something like oh, that. Oh, should have done better. Yeah. So, Pinehurst Academy versus Holy Spirit hit this three-quarter court shot, and like the most packed the gym has ever been the most packed ever and so i hit the thing and just start running around like a crazy person and everyone's rushing the court we had a student almost get trampled like <laughs> really she tripped as she was jumping over the team bench mm-hmm. like, there the student section was behind us and so they all go to rush the court and she trips first oh, and like man. people had to stop and block so that she didn't get stepped on essentially because oh, everyone's just losing their mind and so i'm like running around the court People are chasing after me at this point. And you were I Mia did, Hamming. Huh? You were doing a Mia Hamming. I was Mia Hamming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I kept my shirt on. Right. Yeah, against, you know, well. All your better judgment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trust me, it almost came off. And so then I, I did a belly dive on the floor, and, like, everyone just kind of swarmed on us. And, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a – but the thing is, it was a huge deal for our school. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you go there now – It got named the Miracle Shot, which I – Grant you, it's not as cool as the Immaculate Reception, or no, it's certainly not. The Immaculate Reception is amazing. It is. Um, like that's. But it has a name. It's a thing in a sport that has a name, and it's, it's a real you thing. that did it. Yeah. If you went to my school and you talked to anybody, and you said, "Hey, where were you at the Miracle Shot?" They would be able to tell you time and place and location. <laughs> it's like when JFK got shot. Yes. But no, the reason I brought this up yesterday was because I uh, did a holy hour for the <laughs> Renium Christi consecrated. Mm-hmm. And they have some missionaries like, and, you know, just recent high school graduate mm-hmm. girls. And one was from Atlanta and knew the Metzes. Mm-hmm. And it was probably a classmate of one of your siblings. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I hang out with Mike. And um, she's like, oh, yeah, he hit that shot, the miracle shot. <laughs> and, I was, and I remember you told me this story long ago and showed me this grainy video. I'm like, yeah, cool, Mike, you hit a, hit a shot at a homeschool like <laughs> exhibition game i Real feel like cool. in your mind you think i'm a homeschool kid <laughs> well you had the homeschool van you had the like oh we had the homeschool van 30 oh, passenger yeah. van yeah the 15 that's what i grew up driving man the 15 passenger but like they wanted to put a plaque i was telling connor this yesterday they wanted to put a plaque on the court for and like name it and the location where the shot was hit and stuff like that <laughs> and like a bass relief of your face a what like a like an embossed, like bronze <laughs> yeah. plaque. Of That's what I'm face. picturing as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean th- we have like a wall of athletes that have come, you know, that have been at the school before and graduated, and my picture's up there for that. But um, it was just because the high school was growing, mm-hmm. it, w- it was beginning to develop, and that was kind of like a big moment, a landmark moment for the school in terms of its growth, and was kind of something tangible, saying that we're. We arrived. We're legitimate, and we're competing in, like, big-time sports and stuff like that. So, you know, in my family, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, I was just telling Connor, I went home, and my dad was like, all right, great game, now do the dishes or something <laughs> like that, you know? It was, like, right back into the swing of things. Yeah. And thanks be to God for that, because uh, it, you know, very much kept me grounded. But, I mean, you go back to the school, and my mom, she uh, is a substitute teacher there, and she was saying, like, she the first day in class like all of the kids in her class just grilled her about questions from the miracle shot and like 
they were all just talking about where they were in the miracle shot and like what was it like at home with Mike and things like that and <laughs> you know I don't know like my school made me give talks about it there was a there was <laughs> about a the deal. shot uh, yeah because to and to be honest if I mean if you talk to my coach today um, while he was drawing up the game plan I remember this pretty vividly. Like, I didn't look at the game, the play at all. I, I may, I think I glanced at it, like, as we are running out to the court. Mm-hmm. I remember I was praying a prayer to my guardian angel. Like, that's, I had my eyes closed in the huddle, because I already knew what he was going to draw up. Yeah. He was going to draw a double screen, and I was going to go around the three-point line, and they were going to do a three-quarter court pass, and I was going to try to hit a shot from our three-point line. Mm-hmm. And so I already knew he was going to draw it up. So I was just, I was just praying, just praying to my guardian angel, and... Like, right before we break, he's like, Mike, do you see it? Do you see the play? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Didn't see it at all. <laughs> Didn't see it at all. But then when we ran the play, it all just broke down, and I had to just run and get the ball and chuck it up like a crazy person. And you tried to draw foul, too. And I tried to draw foul. And the guy who was guarding me was, like, one of my best friends from high school who transferred to this rival school. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's where my brother went. So I can remember in that game, he was in the opposing team student section. <laughs> And cheering against me. Like, at one point, I was sitting on the free throw line. And, uh, you know, it's all quiet. Quiet is our home gym. Free throw line. Mm-hmm. Like, you respect it. And I'm dribbling about to shoot. And he goes, you suck at guitar hero. <laughs> <laughs> I airballed the free throw. I airballed you the free throw. You airballed it? Airballed the free throw. Yeah. He yeah. said, you suck at guitar hero. Yeah. Or, like, I can beat you in guitar hero or something like that. Yeah, and the whole, like, he was the only voice in the gym, and I airballed it. Did everybody laugh? Everybody, yeah. It was brutal, man. <laughs> oh, God. It was brutal, but that's why when I hit the shot, I started running after their student section, because I was, like, going to come up to him, and then I realized, that's a bad idea, and, like, I'm also not going to make it, because people were chasing after me at that point, um, so it was... But a- the interesting thing is, like, how, how did your head not get big, and you were talking about it was your family, like, the context of your family was your main identity marker yeah you were Mets yeah and you weren't special because you hit a basketball shot or um or because you were the quarterback or whatever yeah and the same you mentioned the same thing when you did bad in football one game and you were like pouting Mm -hmm. right yeah we lost we lost our homecoming game and I remember pouting in our basement like had all the lights off and like, oh, I lost it for the school. Ugh. You know, like total meathead idiot move, uh, which I was classic at. Um, Still are, by the way. Both good at it. Thank you, thank you. Kind of pride myself in that. And he came down, and he was like, what are you what are you doing down here, you idiot? Like, it's just a football game. Go up and have dinner with the family and things like that. So it was just right back to it. Like, sports are great, but we don't worship them. Yeah. And it took our family a little bit of trial and error, you know. Sure. Because, like, I remember Sundays traveling around doing travel soccer or travel baseball and things like that and playing all these tournaments and, like, trying to squeeze mass in around everything else. But, yeah, my my father was wonderful and my my family kept me grounded. You know, I come back home from hitting some big shot and they're like, well, you got a little brother who just pooped himself, so go change. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It is interesting. This could be a little bit of a stretch, but it seems like this whole like conversation we've kind of been talking about like the need to distinguish between spiritual and non-spiritual desolations and consolations Mm -hmm. like that's been whether or not it's me like just being in you know no drive with it man a ticked off like a ticked off mood because it's cloudy outside Mm -hmm. and like i have a bunch of crap to do or 
like you hitting you know probably you know legitimately the biggest basketball shot literally a historic basketball yeah shot for like a thousand people yeah so let's you know but even in that like this huge <laughs> you know what would be called non-spiritual consolation like in a in a real way in your life like you know at the time you're a teenage kid and like your your dad and mom you know who are responsible for you you know still see the importance and you know essentialness to to keep you grounded in what matters that like god loves you and like you're his son and that's what that's what your identity is not that basketball shot yeah because right because time, if it, because it's non-spiritual if you go after that kind of joy your yep. whole life because the next time when you miss that shot right then like your world comes crashing down. yeah and so and even like kind of what i was trying to articulate this morning like i recognize i was just kind of in like a, a rut of a mood and like still, you know, like got up and went to morning prayer and mass, knowing that like God loved me and I was his son. Mm -hmm. But and it was it was okay for me to just be like ticked off at the world for just a couple hours. Bear it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean just like just kinda get through it and know that like this wasn't something like I was doing wrong. I was just yeah, for whatever reason. Well to your point about heaven and things lasting, you know, what What's good and bad about non-spiritual comfort and desolation is that you know it's going to end. So if it's bad, mm -hmm. you know that the gray day will turn into a sunny day one day and you'll feel good just on a physical, psychological level. And so you don't have to get too worked up, you know, when you lose the homecoming game or when you, you wake up mad at the world. But same thing with non-spiritual consolation, like... Yeah, thousands of people are climbing on your back and telling you how great you are and asking you if you can pose for your bass relief bronze plaque that they're going to put and memorialize <laughs> this historic shot. Yeah, and you feel great. You feel so important. But, you know, a day will come when no one talks about that ever again, you know? Yeah. And even if you wanted to go back to the joy you felt in that moment, you couldn't, you know? And recognizing that it's temporal um, and not the, the joy that you're destined for means... <laughs> You can put it in context and say, great, thanks, I'm glad that happened, but uh, I am not the Miracle Shot Man. I am Michael Metz, Three, North, Three Dogs North podcaster. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. where I'm hanging my hat. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's what I put, it's kind of like the dependence of all of my joy and everything is really... I'm a podcaster. <laughs> you imagine? By the way, oh, that's so disappointing. be willing to put a plaque of us up. I don't see why in not. In lieu of... Miracle shot. I don't see why not. Honestly, I don't. Okay. But, you know, I, I relive that day every night before I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that important, but it is It is sort of the If I didn't have it, I would be done for. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. No, that's, in, that's it, it's all about ordering things properly, you know. is It is good. That's why we can say as Catholics, these things are good. Yeah. Because they're all pointed towards mm -hmm. the greatest good. Sure. You know? And that's it. When you take it out of the proper order and that basketball is a good that serves the good God Almighty that he gave to us, wonderful, mm -hmm. sweet. Yeah. But once you're trying to put basketball as the God, mm -hmm. one, basketball is going to come miserable, and then two, you're going to become miserable because yeah. it's not God and it's not going to fulfill you in any, in any sense. Yeah. And what's good about talking about it, even like this, like these you know, situations or experiences that we've all you know, had in some way, we all haven't made miracle shots, mm -hmm. but... Uh, I have in the driveway a couple times. That's yeah. true. I've hit some 
pretty big time shot. <laughs> but uh, like my dad counting down the clock and mm-hmm. my brother in my face just <laughs> drill a 12 footer. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, neither here nor there. But it also, I think it helps when you can recognize those, then you can also recognize when you actually are experiencing some type of spiritual desolation, which God doesn't want you in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can, you know, take that to prayer and, and hopefully reject it and, and, uh, and get out of it. But, you know, these things, like these very human things, um, you know, don't necessarily dictate our entire spiritual life, but they do impact it, you yeah. know, in a, very, in a very real way. So it's um, like you were saying basketball game something to be very thankful for as long as it's not your god right mm-hmm. that would be so miserable man because when the god of sports comes and smacks you in the face because he's he's a you know fickle god after the homecoming game and you think like oh my football god hates me and my whole identity is wrapped up in him and you need your dad to come smack you in the face and be like don't serve this god yeah come serve the family and and have our god you know yeah, that's that's the job of a spiritual director a lot of times. Is like, it doesn't have to be football. It can be anything, and even with like being a priest, it can be like, oh, I didn't, I don't think my homily was that good. You know, yeah. it's like, well, that's not, it's not really what I'm about. Is like, saying really interesting things or sounding smart or even like, con- converting sinners or or things that are, are sort of essential functions of a priest. You know. Um, the amount of spiritual children you beget through your ministry, because um, God's so not results oriented. He's about your, His relationship with each and every one of us, including me. That you know, regardless of the results, which I more or less can't control, it's all dependent on things He's given me, gifts He's given me. Um, so long as I'm connected and remain in communion with Him, then it's all gravy. Yeah. But if I start thinking like. Um, my happiness, my ultimate fulfillment is dependent on whether or not I have certain numbers of certain things in my life, like like uh, performance metrics, then you're burning incense to a false god that yeah. cannot talk to you, you know? The god of success. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.